Hey there, I'm Jacob Jankowski, uh, back here with the uh, Teacher Cadet Podcast, and I'm joined again uh, uh, by uh, Mr. Jankowski. Uh, thank you for joining me here today. Great to be back with you. So, uh, this last uh, session of Teacher Cadet, we've talked about formative assessment. Like, so the, so basically the uh, like uh, measuring how like. Measuring how well students can do do a thing. So first, we're talking about like uh, explaining and modeling content, and then we're talking about like actually like having students do something. Now we're talking about how well like how we can measure and like uh, improve uh, like, how well they can do that certain task. So throughout your teaching career, what were some methods of like how you went about formative assessment? Um, there, there's actually like kind of, I've always viewed it as three levels. So you have kind of like your immediate assessment. So if I'm having a conversation with a kid, do I see that they're catching on? Do I see that they're um, getting it? I can ask questions. I can get immediate feedback from them. And I kind of know um, kind of where they're at based off of just on that day's lesson. Then there's kind of more of the short-term um, formative assessment where I'm either doing a spot quiz or something like that, um, or, or like a project or something like that, where I see kids that are actually like working along, and I'm, I can start seeing them like applying their learning and see how that goes. And then the last kind of step is always before you do any summative assessment, you should probably do some kind of um, larger scale like formative assessment, like a pretest or something like that, where or a larger project where you can actually see kids kind of trying to put it all together like they would on the summative assessment and that's kind of a gauge for you on whether um has your teaching been effective and are they ready for the summative so so as a as a teacher like so some people believe that formative assessment has been controversy over whether or not like it should be low stakes or no stakes uh some people believe that it should be graded or else kids don't do it. Some teachers believe that it shouldn't be graded. So I'd just like to know your opinions on that. Um, ideally, if you if you can set it up a system where that it is low stakes in like the score-wise, but it it builds sort of summative. I there are things I used to do when I was teaching. Um, this is even before we kind of had the, the terms formative and summative they were just starting to come into play where it would be like okay we're going to do these things as long as you do all of these formative things you know imagine it like uh, like basketball if you have to be at every practice and participate in everything in order to play in the game correct which is the summative assessment so as long as you're doing that then you get to do the summative assessment but if you're not doing these things then you can't take the summative assessment yet or you know you there's something else that kind of goes into play um, with that. And that way, it's still low stakes, but they still are required to do it. I know a lot of teachers now, um, they'll do something where, like, as you get a retake as long as you've done all those assignments and, and the formative things kind of going up to that. And, if, and that works very well for a lot of people because now if a kid doesn't do well on the summative, you can go back and say, well, make sure you do all those things and then you can get your retake. And again, it's it's low stakes. Um, I I think that's probably your best bet in the, in the long run. 
So you believe more of like uh, no stakes in terms of like it affecting your grade, but low. It still has something like like there's still something at risk. Like if you don't do the assignment, you still have to. Well, like, yeah. It's not not at risk as much as it, there's an actual consequence if, if like the because there's always the example of you know say you're teaching swimming and a kid can't swim the first time well you don't want to hold it against him by giving him a score if he can't swim at the beginning but he swims at the end of the course that's exactly in the, the pace that he kind of learns to swim is going to be up to him so why penalize him for that but if he's not putting forth a good faith effort, then that's something that you can kind of say, well, look, you need to pass this assessment to, to make, pass this module or unit or whatever you want to call it, and you need to do all the work into it. And that's what, you know, it, it's amazing because as long as I've been in education and I look at grades, if a kid does all of their assignments and everything kind of leading up to it, they pass their classes. I've, we've never had a kid in, this goes back to Fitz, it goes same for Armada, that did all their work and still failed the class. It just doesn't happen. So you believe that uh, um, students should it, students should be like in charge of their own learning and like yeah, students will be more successful if they like are in charge of like how they learn at like what pace they learn instead of having teachers like force them to uh move along with the rest of the class um it it's a fine line it's the difference you know they say there's a science and there's an art to teaching so the science is hey are they ready for this can they move ahead this is i need to push kids because that kind of like soft pressure of we need to to challenge them and so they can one stay engaged two you know achieve everything that we want them to achieve but then the art of it is to be able to get them so that they're intrinsically motivated because they want to do better. Um, a good example is like NWA assessments. I have people all the time that are, um, they say, oh, well, kids don't take these seriously. They kind of slack off on them. But every time I've seen the test and, and we have an abundance of data to back that up, when they um, take the test, as soon as they get them, they know their previous number. They have kind of, they want to beat that number and that's that's really to a certain extent some intrinsic motivation and then they strive to do that and if we and most of the time they don't get a grade for it so they're because they know at the end of the day it's they want to better themselves and if you build a system that rewards that i think kids will act accordingly so you're saying uh so how like if a kid isn't uh like on, I don't want to say on par with the MLS, but like he's struggling with like the first like assignment or any assignment. How do you like go about like helping him get like learn that and get past that assignment so he can eventually get to the summative? Well, the, the first thing that you always want to kind of get across to students is everybody is going to struggle at some point. Um, the goal of education is really to have productive struggle every day. It's just like li- lifting, you know? You you like to work out and all that stuff. Well, you can't lift the same, like, five-pound weight and expect to, to build muscle. So you need to move up to 10, 20, 40, and so on. Um, it's the same thing in education. So you're, 
it might take somebody more time to get over one aspect of it, or they might have to see it in like three different like representations, three different like approaches. But that's that's where it's kind of the medical model of if I might give somebody medicine and that medicine might not work for them, then I need to find something else that works for them. And if I'm a doctor, and, and that's really kind of where education is going, is I want to diagnose what's wrong and then find a solution for it. And that's and the earlier I can do it, especially if I'm start a lesson kind of looking at, oh, does everybody have the background knowledge that they need to, to be at this point? So let's fill in some holes as they do that. Then that kind of tees it up so I can have as many kids be successful with the first go around. But there's always going to be kids that you're going to have to kind of backtrack and they might need a little bit more time on one element or another. Um, so, uh, so like with formative assessment, like we did like our, we did our own lesson with formative assessment. We did, like, so we just taught our same lessons before about like where we had, we went through and like, uh, we're teaching like, other kids in the class how to do something mm-hmm. but then we had like we this time we had to go around and make sure everyone knew how to do it so there's but some people did like where I did like a basketball skill and other kids did like something that you could just look and look on a board and see so do you think that like do you believe that form of assessment like there's you have to like change your like way of doing formative assessment assessment for each lesson or for each student or like how do you like go about it about like adjusting that um it's a good question you really depending on what you're trying to 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 get out of the students and the the concept you're trying to get across you definitely need to vary because there's certain things that it might be something might be more performance based or something is more kind of like paper and pencil based so Based off of that, you're, you you need to structure accordingly. It actually works best if you kind of approach it from both angles, where you have them doing something that's kind of, um, you know, just are they giving, are are they doing something where they, if it's English, where you're writing or something, or can they write the directions if you're teaching them how to do something, versus um, are they getting like math, for example. One of the things I always recommend the math teachers is. A lot of times, if they're getting the wrong answer and you can't decipher their work, then don't give them more problems. That just reinforces the thing. So you might want to take the approach of have them just write out the steps that they use to solve it. So take their wrong answer and say, fine, I want you to write out just, I don't care if it's a paragraph or a bulleted list, write out what steps did you do. So now I can kind of see what their thinking is behind it. It's the whole concept of visible thinking of, uh, and all that. So in order to elicit that you have to kind of tailor it to whatever the concept is um it might be you know watching them do a problem it might be having them write out their steps but and, and it might vary by student because some kids might be a little bit more verbal and some kids might be a little bit more um you know kind of hands-on um so like with like different kids do you like so at some like in math some kids are obviously naturally better at solving math problems or some kids are better at reading and writing if at the start of the year if a kid isn't like if he's falling behind or he's behind in like scores compared to the rest of the class 
as he expected, do you have the same, like, standards set for him of, like, a certain score, or do you want, like, the same score as the rest of the class, or do, do you adjust, like, your expectations and, like, where you want him to be at throughout the course of the class, like, depending on, like, whoever you're teaching, like, if, depending on, like, each kid you're teaching, or... Well, ultimately, and this is something that comes with time as, as you teach, you tend to have like, a good idea of, okay, this is the pace, and this, you, you tend to find a, a good pacing to whatever, where most of the kids are going to get it. You're always going to have some that will get it earlier. You'll have some that will get it later. And um, then what you you have to build in where you can circle back for those kids that are struggling. And then likewise, if the kids are doing well, that you, you're giving them work that they can work on to, to get better while the other kids are, are working on stuff. So you want to, you kind of have those stretch goals and then you have those kind of remediation for lack of a, a better term. I mean, the term the state likes to use now is accelerated learning for everybody because you can be behind and we want to accelerate you to get you back on track. Um, it's one of the things that we've done very well in our beta is to, to bring those kids up. Um, and that's why we have more growth on a per student level than most districts. Uh, with accelerated learning, doesn't, is there any like worries that that may have an adverse effect where you may like rush the kid too much and he ends up uh, just struggling more because he can't keep up with like the pace that that he's being pushed at or that they're yeah. being pushed at. Yeah, I mean that that's always a concern. You you have to be you have to honor that as long as kids are giving effort that there's some you know if if you think they're giving the full effort and they're they're doing what they need to do then as a teacher you need to kind of adapt accordingly but you don't really lower your expectations you might have to be like hey stick around for a couple hours and we'll walk through this stuff and, and i'm going to try and take a totally different approach because you might be one of a few kids and i'm just going to work with that group and, and really try and um cross that um whatever the struggle is cross that bridge of, of where and find out where they're they're really falling down um yeah it's just you I've always thought in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, I can I can find some kind of solution to it. It's not like, it's where education's different than like medicine, where there's always a solution. There's always a way to like, you just have to find what makes it click for that kid. Whereas, you know, in medicine, a lot of times you can have something uncurable, but in education, that's not the case. You just have to, to be creative, find a different way to approach it. Um, and that's, that's what happens is as you're going along, you add all these tools to it, to your toolbox on, okay, I've seen this, here's another approach I can take. And and as you build those tools, it just makes you a better teacher and more effective. Okay, uh, one final question. If, uh, I know most of you talked about like the pros of formative assessment, but what are some ways, like, what are some ways that you have people doing that done formative assessment wrong? Or some like issues you see with formative assessment, if any. Well, it one if you make it too high stakes, which you kind of mentioned. The other thing is if your formative assessment is not aligned to what you ultimately want them to know. That I've seen happen where people create projects and they think this project is hitting on 
this concept or this standard or something, and it really not. Um, a lot of well, you saw this a lot when you always had like kids used to do projects like the like you know the little uh, shoebox projects that they always had because what are you grading them on? Are you grading them on the concept? Or are you grading them on the art of what they're doing? And a lot of times I would see teachers would put a lot into, oh, this one looks good. They, you know, they glued this right. It looks clean. So they got a grade for that, but it really didn't hit the underlying concept. So really it was a waste of time in that regard. Um, so those are just some of the things that you fall into. It's especially if you fall into where you tend to rely on intuition too much that, oh, I know it just because I can kind of see, even though I'm not really measuring what I want to measure. Um, that's probably where most people fall down on that. Um, so uh, I think that's all we have for today. Uh, thank you for joining me once again. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll see you guys next time on the uh, next episode of the Teacher